Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to the Cartoon Saloonverse, the podcast that burrows deep into the world of Cartoon Saloon. I'm Michael Leader. I'm Steph Watts. And I'm Jake Cunningham. And I'm huffing and puffing and blowing this pod down. So join us on our quest into the glorious world of Cartoon Saloon. Oh, Jake, Steph, the three of us on a podcast together. What a rare treat, even if Jake does make a bad joke that makes it sound like we're going to be doing an episode on the three pigs. I think it's fine. I think if you stretch stretch the metaphor out to include Cartoon Saloon and their love of inhabiting the figure of a wolf and the fact there are three of us, you can, with enough time, with enough words in the essay, you could build out that metaphor nicely. And also we would be gladly blown over by Cartoon Saloon yes. in that version of the fairy tale. Mm. But what are the bricks? What is the hay? We'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, how are you doing? Yeah, Steph, it's been a while since we've been on a podcast together. How are you getting It's been on? a long time. I feel like I've already been treated with some bad metaphors. <laughs> Let's go. I'm ready. You're back in it. This is I'm all it takes. I'm ready for this puffin party. Uh, that we're all going to be in for the next however long. And it, it is a puffin party. I'm glad you phrased it like that. That's exactly what it is. Because we've we've all gathered here today to talk about Puffin Rock. And the new friends. Do not forget those new friends. <laughs> the feature-length spin-off of the Puffin Rock TV series, which is Cartoon Saloon's preschool series that's... Um, been running for a couple of seasons, massive in China, as well as being on Netflix and other places. Um, we did mention Puffin Rock in the final episode of the Cartoon Universe miniseries because we covered shorts and TV series and everything. And as we like to do, whenever one of the subjects of our of our miniseries releases a new film or something, we like to do a new episode. We've already done two Cartoon Saloon-related episodes in the last year, we recently spoke to Paul Young, producer, CEO, and now director of Screechers Reach, the Star Wars Visions short. And then before Christmas, towards the end of last year, we spoke to Nora Toomey, who directed The Breadwinner, but also directed My Father's Dragon. And I suppose before we get too deep into Puffin Rock, we do have 
a bit of unfinished business there because I don't think there's any recording of us on mic, Jake, talking about My Father's Dragon. What do we think about that? Where does it fit into the cartoon saloon story? What do you think? Yeah, it's interesting thinking about it because Nora Toomey is the person with both of her films that has veered away from the what we imagine as the track of Cartoon Saloon. And The Breadwinner is very different. You're getting out of Ireland. You're telling a very different story with a slight variation in style to what we're used to. And My Father's Dragon feels like pushing that envelope even further that stylistically it might be i would say less exciting than what we might be used to like i think there is a different texture to it there's a different level of expression to it i think there are aspects of it in some of the creature design or the kind of dystopian urban center that's at the start of the film but the core of it is quite picture book in quality it's quite soft it's quite round and I think that shows signs of ambition from the studio. It's looking for an audience, a Netflix audience, that can reach out and connect to this film globally. Mm-hmm. And I think it's looking for a younger audience, a different audience than we've seen them go for as well. I do think the storytelling is a bit simpler. There are not as many hard edges to it. Like When we look at films like Song of the Sea or Wolfwalkers, they are not they don't take like easy narrative routes and that is not to diminish my father's dragon i think it makes for a very satisfying emotional story but i think it's kind of hitting a lot of narrative beats that we might expect it to and it's offering that familiarity uh that younger audiences might crave within a package that's really satisfying yeah i think it's really fascinating seeing cartoon saloon after those very tight budgeted early features courting these global international partners working with various streamers they've worked with apple they've worked with disney plus and and that was their 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 project with netflix and in the process pulled them across the atlantic into much more of an american sounding at least world because all of the or the majority of the voice cast were familiar voices from um from Hollywood, you know, Jacob Tremblay, um, etc. I, 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 I still, it is definitely a picture book film for the younger kids. It's not too safe because it still has a very, the opening fifteen minutes or so, really emotionally, you know, quite fraught. This family where they're driven out of their almost idyllic home and taken into the city. And the mum struggling for money to pay rent and the sort of lies or the white lies she tells the son character. But then the son is at that age where he really wants to help and put all of the responsibility on his shoulders. There's still a lot in there in the design of both the opening rain-slicked dystopian big city that they're in. And then the design of the monster island they go to is really, uh, you know, really something. But I agree. It's what is also fascinating about this phase of Cartoon Saloon where Wolf Walkers was pitching a little bit older, almost into teenage or teenage um, you know, a, a ideal audience because it's a bit, a bit sort of sharp around the edges, a bit scarier. Then My Father's Dragon pitches a little younger. Then Screechers Reach, the Star Wars vision short, is the scariest thing they've done to date. It's an outright horror short film, not for little kiddies. And then Puffin Rock comes along. And this is really the scariest one yet. 
I mean, absolutely <laughs> terrifying if you're scared of puffins. Um, like, 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 not like I am. But um, it's it's funny you you lay them out like that, Michael, because the similarities are still there. As what tonally, they might be very different. But looking through the entire filmography, this is a studio that's obsessed with moving home. Yep, the power of story and identity. All of mm. these things, uh, making connections across those barriers. Um, yeah, it, th- th- there is still that very strong through line, even if this is pitched to a very specific demographic of maybe three to six year olds, that sort of preschool demographic. Because when you get out of mainstream Hollywood cinema where family movies is just meant to be any, you know, satisfy anyone from zero to 80, and there's not really any smaller demographic than that. When you when you go on to CBBS or children's programming, when it's done well, there are these real sort of micro demographics, and this is one that, um, yeah, I, I think that even Ivo, who's nearly five, my son, is probably getting a little bit too old for this. He's already wanting something that is scarier. As I said in, in a previous library cafe, he's watching Indiana Jones, he's reading Tintin. He's already. Way ahead, even though he doesn't understand anything that's going on in any of them, <laughs> he's he, he's fighting for that. But I think that even before we watch the film, this is something quite rare and interesting and exciting for, in that regard because it's really for kids, um, little kids in that in, in in as well. So before we dive in too deeply, let's have a bit of a read, a bit of a context session, not as fully fledged as we have on previous episodes. Celebrating Ireland's magnificent natural environment with themes of belonging, courage and friendship, Puffin Rock and the New Friends follows family favourites from the animated series Una, Baba, May and Mossy, who are joined by a new cast of characters as Isabel, Phoenix and Marvin arrive on the island. When the last little egg of the season disappears under mysterious circumstances, Una and her friends race against time to bring the little egg home before a big storm hits and puts the entire island in danger. So, quick shout out to people behind the scenes before we get too deep. This, of course, is, you know, the film was produced by Paul Young, Tom Moore, Nora Toomey, um, directed by... um, Jeremy Purcell, who, if you go on his IMDb, has had lots of ad- adjunct roles across the Cartoon Saloon history, all the way back to Secrets of Kells. Um, it's written by S- Sarah Daddy, who wrote parts of the series. And again, if you go on her IMDb, she's worked on all sorts of great kids programming, including Molly and Mac, which is deserving of a Library Cafe episode all on its own, because that is the... Um, musical soap opera set in Scotland. You've told me about this. Yeah, this sounds really good. I mean, it makes Scotland look like the most beautiful place on earth, which it is. Um, So she's writing the script and um, it's this really fascinating collaboration between Cartoon Saloon and this Northern Irish studio, Dog Ears. So embracing all of Ireland, the whole of the island of Ireland, um, in this feature so where should we start with this really so i did i i've definitely watched some of the series had either of you watched some of the series before this or was this going in completely clean i watched some episodes in the lead up to our um to our recap 
at the end of the Cartoon Saloon series. Uh, I have to say I did not watch all of Puffin Rock in preparation for this episode, but I was familiar with Puffin Rock. Yeah, I think I watched one episode for our our roundup episode. Um, kind of knew what I was getting in for. I think forgot how young it is kind of skewed for. Um, so all the way through watching, I was kind of making notes like, not keen on this, but it's not for me. <laughs> <laughs> so it doesn't where? matter. Um, yeah, kind of felt like a film where I should have really like borrowed someone's child to to watch with and just get the full experience of of seeing how like small children react to it. Mm-hmm. Steph, you should have watched it with me because I was the person making notes and going, "This is exactly for me." <laughs> Although yeah, I will way. say, kind of halfway through, I did kind of lean forwards in my chair and like, yeah, it what's going to happen oh. to the little egg? It's quite gripping. I need to know, yeah. Like the egg, it's all about the egg. <laughs> Once the egg is in jeopardy, that then you're hooked. It can go either way, really. You know, children's television can just be like a massage for the brain, uh, and you can sort of feel your your understanding of the world and your intelligence sort of winding backwards to being that of a four or five year old. That's in the night it's garden. A, it's a more yeah, exactly. It's a more innocent time. Um, but I think this film, the we like the, the opening scenes of the film are very much like the series where it's Una and Baba. And they're going out and they're just going to jump over a stream. And maybe the plot of the whole episode is we need to get that hermit crab a new shell. And how's, how's that going to work? And then we'll learn a little bit about hermit crab. And that's it. It's lovely. It's wonderful. And it is this wonderful idealised storybook version of a island of the, the natural world. One in which world. there are no people. <laughs> well, exactly. Anthropomorphised. But um, the film... And this is the thing. In the programming for cinemas for kids, you often get these 45-minute long Peppa Pig special or Paw Patrol special. And that's just sort of like a maximised version of an episode of the... of the or, or, or a package of multiple episodes of the series. And this was what I felt about this. I was like, is this not going to... Is this going to feel like a long episode? Is this going to feel like a film? It feels like a film. Mm. Because as you say, once that the story kicks in and it brings some with it some wisdom and some real real meat to it in a way that is very sort of plainly told is and and isn't really varnished with metaphor too much because of course well, there's puffin rock with the animals that live there and then you've got chris o'dowd as the narrator and he very plainly says due to climate change happening around <laughs> the world many other animals are having their habitats destroyed or changed so they have to move somewhere else. So there is a migrant crisis bringing animals to this island. And that's the influx of the new friends. Mm. And they don't necessarily all get along. And there is a kind of political upheaval on Puffin Rock, which is, as I understand the regular episodes, a bit of a utopia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was going to ask you, Michael, the kind of level of moral quandary in this so to to set up the 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 issue is that isabel who is a new puffin that comes to the island uh in trying to protect the last egg is actually accused of stealing the last egg and then pins this on marvin another new immigrant otter and 
essentially starts a witch hunt to cover up her lie. I wasn't prepared for that <laughs> <laughs> that level of kind of um, well, emotional intensity and mm -hmm. morality. And I think from what I remember of the episodes I did watch, it never quite gets as deep as that. Well, no. And, and, that, and that's something that did surprise me about this, that it is more than it seems on the face of it, because there's um, a tendency within children's fiction for this age group, the sort of storybook age group, picture book age group, to ha to really front load this the meaning and the moral. And you go into a library and you go into the kids section and it would be the big city or when we moved. There's actually a book called When War Came. And they are very, they are so sort of you know f you know f f facing front what they're about the message, and there was a really good um, column on LitHub about books that are clearly written by adults with a sort of adult view of the world with no sort of use of magical realism or fantasy or fairy tale to actually heighten or twist real teachable moments into something that's that's interesting and that's what this does really well i think is even though as you say th that's the inciting incident that brings all of these um different animals to the island and we can then as adults keep reading it with all of these inner meanings about this sort of infighting or this sort of anxiety between all these different communities there's one bit where it's revealed that um what's um phoenix the character isn't a puffin that they are a golden phoenix no a, a gold... golden pheasant Sorry. golden pheasant and golden pheasants don't eat fish no they eat grubs and worms and that's just like a really cool thing about culture clashing cultural differences and difference in taste and diet and everything um but then yes adding this extra twist on top which is the actual story about the the protection of the egg and um becomes a personal story again it's not about abstracting it's about kids are probably going to go through an something like this where if you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery think again juvederm volux xc is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime even better this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment no maintenance required improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with juvederm volux xc for important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from noom 
like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. They're caught in a lie or they, they act up with a responsibility that they want to do but maybe haven't fully earned yet or and they, they might do something wrong and then that's how they're tempted to lie, tempted to um, maybe blame somebody else. And it becomes about self-awareness and emotional intelligence in that regard, which I think is really, really deftly handled in this really well because it also treats it with a very interesting amount of stakes to talk to bring that whole storytelling craft back into the cartoon yeah, universe well, conversation and alongside this you do have the the oncoming storm the climate change coming towards the island and this this is what previously destroyed isabel's home and it's like she is carrying that weight of destruction with her and is like it's almost bringing it to the island it's quite a lot but obviously no five-year-old's going to be reading it like that but you do see these things like like a, a burrow of rabbits and the a storm gradually filling up a burrow to the point of flooding right if this was watership down that would be a very different graphic to wrestle with yeah i think the kind of um the kind of quintessential cartoon saloon look in this film definitely softens some of the mm. the more kind of scary and like potentially upsetting kind of ramifications of the storm and of the egg being eyed up by enormous seagulls like it, there's there is a lot of danger there but i think the fact that everything is so kind of round soft very like almost like gravelly textured like there's there's no just kind of smooth flat um look to anything even if all the characters are 2d you've got this lovely texture going on in everything mm. like every little leaf every dandelion seed has this like lovely kind of edge to it that really makes it feel like so beautiful and i think there are definitely points where yeah if you know you are watching a a, a rabbit burrow being flooded you can be like oh, but it looks very nice like yeah. it's very kind of soothing in that way like you can definitely like take on what it's saying but you're not kind of really distressed at any point because it looks like so gorgeous yeah i i, I don't think you ever truly think there is any more than mild peril uh <laughs> at hand here um but you're right about the they, they kind of the the reverence they have for the landscape is so clear here and it might be in simpler rounder shapes and it's not filling every corner of the screen but it 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 looks beautiful like it's almost cosmic the way that they look at rocks and grass and water like just constantly glistening shining and you feel like you could just lose yourself in a pebble mm. and on the the roundness i think this is the most round we've seen them <laughs> like baba is of course totally round and then we get the introduction <laughs> we get the introduction of a of a an even cuter puffin than baba is somehow even more round um and that's yeah it's i think this is what makes it so appealing and i think if we looked back on my father's dragon um we would see a lot of roundness mm. in the on the island 
And of course, with Wolfwalkers, there was a big deal made out of the fact that the city is all harsh angles and the forest is all round. So I just wanted to read out something because at the time of recording, Twitter has just changed its logo. It's no longer called Twitter and X and who cares, whatever. Um, but there's a good thread from the studio that designed the previous Twitter logo, which was the the bird, uh, the like blue bird with the beak um, and the feathers. Uh, everyone knows what a bird looks like. They have beaks and feathers. <laughs> uh, so Studio Makoko. And I just this line, the, the approach was that it would be built from a series of circles. The mark is the visual embodiment of neutrality, the product of layers of intersection and connectivity, as opposed to the work of an individual. And I'd read that just as like on the morning of watching Puffin Rock. And I just thought that is very true about this, this setting of Puffin Rock. It is so round, it is so inclusive, it is so connected. And that's there in kind of every aspect of the design of it. Hmm. And I really do see, if you see the flowchart of Cartoon Saloon's projects, there is probably the junction point, the fork in the road out, out of Song of the Sea that leads to this. Because even when it has, when you have those beautiful wide landscape shots of the actual island, it has that strange perspective that those Ross Stewart type backgrounds love to have, mm. where... It, it, it's flat but it, it, it doesn't make sense it doesn't make any sense <laughs> but it's this flatness that shows a landscape rolling in front of you mm. and then as you say wolf walkers is almost the aging up of song of the sea into something sharper and darker and scarier um but this is the the idyll that's explored in, in, in elements of song of the sea well and we do have this amazing bit in the middle the flashback mm. which is uh, directed by Lorraine Lorden, who did, does this watercolor flashback for is the destruction of Isabel's home island, and that's more like a like Princess Kaguya type thing, where the brushstrokes seem to be appearing as the sequence evolves. It's really beautiful and completely different in style. Mm -hmm. Is that quietly the most radical thing we've seen in a? cartoon saloon film <laughs> yeah because <it laughs> they, be. they don't often break the style in that mm. way they have such a unified beautiful style across all their films and unique to each film as well but they don't often break the style in that way um so i guess the the heads the real animation heads need to watch this film to see the cutting edge <laughs> i think also uh, that they put so much trust in that sequence that there's no voiceover or dialogue really in that whole scene they just kind of let it play uh, with some music underneath and you can just watch what's happening. Um, I feel like, yeah, good good trust in that that whole sequence. Oh, so there are two points off the back of that, Steph. In terms of music, there's a lot of songs. <laughs> dig, dig, diggy. Please don't talk to me about the dig, dig, diggy song. <laughs> Is that where you were it's like... not for me. <laughs> I need to go and watch them with dirt bikes and monster trucks now. <laughs> It just gave me a big... I've had a very low tolerance for, like, songs for children in films. <laughs> like, I remember when Finding Nemo came out and everybody was singing the, like, Just Keep Swimming just keep song. Swimming. And I was, like, oh, just not 
had no time for it. You'd have been, what, like seven? Yeah, and was just like, this is not, no. (laughs) Don't anybody ever sing that song to me. That was when you were reading Box Trolls and being a weird little kid. Yeah, Yeah, so I think I just have always had a bit of a (laughs) aversion to that in in films for kids anyway. So just had to take a deep breath at the digging song. I I can understand that, but I can imagine (laughs) also kids humming along with that. It's one of those things when you are the sort of parent or, you know, grown up in that situation you just have to like go along with it and yeah. you know we've, i've said this before that I'd, I'd much rather watch watch something like this puffin rock movie and be a little bit uh cringed out by the songs than have to sit through all of mario mm-hmm. with 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 ivo um and i did or... really like how marvin's digging song kind of came back as a theme whenever he was mm. on screen. So like that playing underneath was actually really nice. And then the other source of much sound in this movie is the narration. Mm. <laughs> Chris O'Dowd with his dad jokes and his heckles. Yeah. It's a really fascinating sort of narrator because he's kind of the storyteller. It's like he's reading the storybook to you. And within the margins or within the lines, in between the lines of the story, he's adding his own jokes or his own comments or he's heckling the characters and interacting with the characters. So really, in terms of a piece of writing, something quite original and unique here. Um, well, like the trying to actually describe the level of objectivity or subjectivity or interaction that the narrator actually has with this story is quite mm-hmm. hard to pin down because he is seemingly surprised at a lot of their actions but sorry, also no, knows about stuff in advance i've i've got i've gone down the rabbit hole with this but i really do think that probably the shoes they were in while writing this and probably him reading it is you are reading a story to a kid and when you do that you do uh, you do act like everything is being you know you're you're experiencing everything for the first time in the story you are as surprised as anybody that this is happening you also then add your little comments or you know, I'd be reading something to Ivo and then something comes up and I add a little bit of trivia about, you know, crabs' eyes can swivel around 360 degrees, whatever it is, you know, or just anything to sort of keep engaging the, the kid mm. that you are, that one kid that is your audience. And the, I, I loved this. This is something so far away from the the way that maybe Disney would, in the back in the day, employ the big storybook opening up and it's just a bit of narration until we fade into Snow White or Cinderella. Um, it's something much more engaged and authentic to the experience of telling a story to somebody. And of course, storytelling, hey, it's yeah. the, the the biggest word in the word cloud of the Cartoon Saloon universe. <laughs> it is, it is. Um, on, the, on the mention of Marvin, um, good, good new character. I like Marvin a lot. Um, he has joined the 2023 tradition of putting a panic attack into a kid's film. Uh, how do we rank it against Spider-Verse and Puss in Boots in the panic attack Olympics? Wow. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Ranking panic attacks. What, what, what are the uh, individual qualities? Yeah, I don't know. No, I, I just, it's just, it's just nice to see and very, very gently kind of dealing with something that I'm sure like, it's just nice that I'm sure there are kids that have gone through that at that age that don't really understand that feeling, particularly social anxiety with a crowd, and mm-hmm. just seeing him and not really having to be reacting to an explosion or a fight or anything. It's just the fact that there is kind of a lot of people and a lot of noise and it's a scary new situation. 
think... and you don't really need to understand much more than that i think also that otters are usually like quite sociable right and you normally see them in pairs in groups mm. but he's he's quite yeah nervous and wants to be alone so it's maybe maybe a little bit of an undercurrent of like it's okay if you're not fitting into the group that you've been given stereotypically mm. it's okay to be a bit different and have a collection of pet rocks well because he he finds his he, he has a great time in the cave that he finds um so so michael out of keaton kilmer Clooney, bale <laughs> affleck pattinson and puffin rock <laughs> what who's got the best bat cave <laughs> I've read that joke, even though we have a shared note in which everyone can see that I've set up that joke. But I will, I will push you for an answer. What's your favourite Batcave? Val Kilmer. <laughs> Steph. Oh, this is really testing my knowledge of. Does looking at recent Batcaves? <laughs> does Pattinson even have a Batcave? I don't think he does. Uh, he just yeah. has like an office, doesn't he? <laughs> he has a cave doesn't he maybe not maybe he's too twisted the last batman i watched was the dark knight where the Batcave is under renovation so he's just in a underground in that, in that flat where they do all the music videos yeah um, so i'm gonna have to say that one i'm gonna say puffin rock it's now the best so why does why does puffin rock clinch it for you then jake the Batcave? why does the puffin rock Batcave um <laughs> clinch it for me well it's it's got bats in it <laughs> <laughs> that actually become a key part of the plot not just like by destroying gangsters in batman begins like they help the community come together and if that's not what a bat cave is all about i don't know what is i mean i love that slogan i want that on the back of a t-shirt <laughs> but also surely all the other bat caves have bats i've definitely seen a bat, bat no, swarming, got bats. swarming no, but... around he yeah, but they don't, the they bats. don't, they don't, yeah, exactly. They don't Doesn't commune like with the young community Christian Bale and help them get like, lifted up by all the bats when he falls in and Batman begins. Yeah, they, like, that's just so, they're helping one guy. Whereas we need to help the bats, whole island. Exactly, exactly. It's pretty cool. And it, they can carry rocks. Like, so much to love. <laughs> yeah? You, you, and also, you did, you did leave out Adam West. We're gonna get oh, of course, oh. yeah. The Westheads come and get me. Um. <sighs> oh, we should mention Mossy. Mossy's good. Great character, Mossy and May. Supporting cast. Um, mm -hmm. Great time. Mossy is maybe the MVP because of, um, of deploying a fart bomb that saves the island. Mm -hmm. That's pretty spectacular stuff. It's maybe the like the cutest fart ever, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> is it? It's pretty good. Pretty good. You've, this is another one where you're creating a ranking <laughs> and a canon that, I, that is a very tough one to populate. Listeners, come at us with your cute farts. So this film has the best bat cave, the best mm. panic attack, and the cutest farts. Yeah. Put that on your poster. It's got exactly. bats. <laughs> it's got. It's got bats and farts. <laughs> Um, yeah, and it's got Paul Young in a speaking role. Yes, yes it has. Um, Isabel's dad yeah. he goes off, uh, in, uh, yeah, looking for the other displaced birds. It's, uh, yeah, I, I, I was intrigued by the idea of this film, but then also thought when we were coming around to actually reviewing it, thinking we don't often venture this far down the age range. But 
we you know clearly through this conversation we've found elements of that artistry of those persistent recurring themes um that we've talked about throughout all their films and there is something really wonderful and lovely about this film as well mm. of its own mm. even really if you good. have to cringe through the super kiddie bits i don't i didn't even cringe at once yeah. Well, Jake, I've got a whole channel for you called CBeebies. <laughs> Going to hook you up with with Molly and Mac. Have you watched any Bluey, Jake? I had Bluey on today because um, my my if anything, Bluey's here. too grown up compared to Puffin Rock. Bluey's got a great theme tune though. Well, that's another one that's just going to be stuck in your head forever. And Bluey the movie, no doubt, is going to be huge whenever that. They're happens. so good at their short form storytelling. Sorry, Steph, leaving you out on a limb. Um, it's fine. <laughs> Bluey is currently number two highest rated TV show of all time on IMDb behind The Sopranos. <laughs> wow. <laughs> because it's successfully, probably in no way since, it, it, in no way other show has since The Simpsons, it's united all demographics. Like anyone who watches it will find something in it, even though it's ostensibly about a bunch of Australian anthropomorphic dogs uh, um, going about their daily business. It's got a lot of everyday wisdom to it whilst also being really fun and funny and can be enjoyed by both adults and kids in in 10 minute doses um to the point Can't wait where for the sopranos and bluey crossover episode that i'm sure yeah. they'll do due to its success that that's for the film whether yeah <laughs> um, i'm gonna have to find it um but i was looking at an amazing um poll that was basically like most watch videos for under 10s and Coco Melon is way up above everything. But um, the most watched feature film uh, was Turning Red. Interesting. Hmm. Oh, and we, we would not have thought that would be an under 10s film. We'd think that would be mm. 11, 12. Because it's so specifically sort of junior high, middle school kind of age. But yeah. Blue, yeah, Bluey was really up there, I, but not I suppose so that... much on The Sopranos, but, you know. But even all of the recent... Frozen 2 isn't really for that sort of age range, but Ivo loves watching that, and he loves Encanto. He has no idea what's going on in Encanto on this sort of emotional character level. It's a lot to to sort of explain to him complicated family relationships, but there isn't really anything for that younger age range um, in terms of films. Series, he's currently into Spidey and his friends, which is like taking all of the stakes and parallel out of the mc you know the marvel universe and it's just spider-man and miles morales and gwen having fun and the rhino has accidentally knocked over a tree <laughs> damn you <laughs> there's one where there's one where like dr octopus turns the entirety of central central park into an ice rink or something and they have to turn it back it's it's just it's, it's just so sweet but also you can feel your brain dribbling out of the front of your nose. Um, we shouldn't muddy the Puffin Rock episode by recommending or criticising We should recommend Puffin Rock. Puffin Rock and yeah. New Friends is definitely a film for little ones. And big ones. So and late 20s. Not and late, late 20s. And 35 to 60 year olds. Sure. So if you want to get your gentleman suits on, <laughs> go out to see it. You can. But I would probably say it's, it is lovely with that asterisk that it is also definitely a film for kids compared to what we've looked at before. Although, as Jake says, there's something to be found in there. Do we want to 
is this anywhere other than the bottom of our cartoons universe list? Does it actually trouble the other films? Not that they would probably they would probably wouldn't put it in the filmography on the same mm. pegging. I don't think it's a bad thing to say if it doesn't. Um, I wouldn't recommend it alongside their other films, but I do think quality wise, it's up yeah. there. Like, yeah, I was kind of expecting to just have my brain dribbling out of my ears for 80 minutes, but it was very engaging, very pretty. Um, there's obviously a lot of like high quality gone into it. So yeah, yeah. it's one of the Absolutely. Gang. Another, yeah, a- another bright shining star in the cartoon universe. We're happy to have it. Another puffin pal. Well, listeners, thank you for joining us this week, talking about puffin rock and the new friends. We should do more episodes in the main feed with the three of us. That's really fun. Um, if you want to hear us talk about very random things that we're doing in between talking about animated movies, you can subscribe to our Patreon and get the Patreon exclusive episodes in from the Library Cafe. We just did That's two Patreon. parties in one episode. Yes, after party. And search and party. Search party mm. and puffin party. <laughs> so it's a three party day actually for us. Yeah. Um patreon.com slash ghibliatech. We also have a Discord where um, you can come and have a chat with us. We've currently got lots of speculation about Boy and the Heron, how do you live, because we have people out in Japan giving us the skinny (laughs) from the ground. Um, You can also find us on the social networks. X, Twitter, we're still on there, at ghibliatech. We're on Instagram, ghibliatech.pod. That's also what we are on threads, if you're that way inclined. We're also all there individually. Jake is on Twitter at Jake H. Cunningham and on Instagram, jake.h.cunningham. And Steph is on X at underscore Steph Watts. And Steph, I don't know what your Instagram handle is. I'm sorry. You can follow my Ghibli Embroidery Instagram yes. at Tiger Moth Embroidery. Good. In there. Uh, and Michael is on Twitter at Michael J. Leader and on Instagram at Michael J. Leader. It's Michael Dot Leader. Oh, sorry, Michael Dot Leader. Oh, kicked back off the podcast. <laughs> the real new friends were the new friends we made along the way. Thank you for listening, everyone. Ghibliotech is produced by Michael Leader, Jake Cunningham, Harold McShill, and Steph Watts. Our music is by Anthony Ng. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.